he has been everywhere early on. Oh, oh, he's got to kick his fourth. The dancing feet of don't mind, Nick Martin. There's a new man in town. Draper wants to put an end to all this. Hands it over to Guelphie. Draper wants it back. The brush off runs into space. Outside the boot. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I don't know how we're going to treat today's show. That was as upbeat as I'm going to be all show. There's a a couple of uh, themes that we have that when we lose really bad, we we desperately try and get a guest. And thankfully, we've been (laughs) successful again. So we don't have to talk uh, depressingly for 50 minutes. So uh, Cal Toomey uh, from AFL.com, and everyone knows Cal, uh, will join us in... uh, Probably about 15, 20 minutes. Yep. Uh, so, look, um, a lot of <laughs> we're going to see us. We're probably going to ask the same questions you're asking of, of, of what we want to talk about, but um, we don't know ourselves. So, look, um, yeah, first 13 rounds and and up to the break, we're like, wow, this is really, really good. And, and um, then after the break, a uh, really, really poor game against Frio and – and we used to, you know, we've got to own up to it. We used to term ourselves, oh, let's just hope it's a blip and, you know, that sort of stuff. And um, and then, you know, we do actually do pretty good the next two rounds, in, in all honesty. And, um, uh, we, yes, we lost to Port Adelaide, and um, but we, we battled really hard and played a good game against pretty the Crows. Much, pretty much won it, yeah. Then we had the next blip, uh, which was Geelong, which is probably of all the blips you can have in a year, that's the most understandable. Yep. Um. But then suddenly we've hit three poor losses in five weeks and that just felt different, that Bulldogs game. There's something about it that hit me really hard and uh, as a fan and, and a person who absolutely adores the club, I really struggled with that one, I'll be honest. Um, Why? Uh, well, because I, I think the, the narrative, obviously, what we've been praising is the we're, we're getting consistency of effort. We're expecting mm. the same yep. incident. Okay. Um, and it's, so it's not it's not always just that we've lost four of the last five. I think that three of those losses have been uncharacteristic of the first 13 games. So the first – and that's when you start to go, it's not because like, it's not like we've had, you know, massive injuries um, compared to any other teams that we've been playing. Uh, we just – yeah, we just dropped the ball a bit, uh, if I'm being honest, and um, – yeah, uh, not quite sure what's going on. Uh, maybe it's a rally of that's we're more closer overall of where the team is at. Um, There's going to be a lot of ums and ahs in this, yeah. <laughs> this initial section. It, it was a really game confusing. that you scratch your head at. It it's was, confusing. I, I just don't – we don't get it, man. I, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, dude, after quarter time, we were we, we winning clearances a quarter time quite well and, and everything was rosy against the Dogs. I think the stat isn't. Sorry if I'm wrong, but it, I know it's close to this. I think we lost clearances forty-one to fifteen in the next three quarters, and so the midfield was completely. It was non-existent. It was yeah. just a non, and there was no one like like I couldn't even point to a player that I went, oh well, they 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 did well. No, every position on the ground we got beaten. Yeah, every I mean, single one. The back line 
pretty much was felt like was sixty percent of our disposals, and, and and it was. I mean, if you look at all the key posi- key possession getters or disposal getters, it's Ridley, Redmond, Laverde, and McGrath, right? So, it's the bit that really concerned me. If I, if I can articulate one articulate, if I can articulate one point, it's why the backline was so used the ball so much. They yeah. went backwards and like normally if you if you see oh the switch is on the switch is on because there's a wingman or something open as well and if you can get it over there quick you can get the ball down the other wing fast but the ball went over there just for the sheer hell of it and then the ball came back and there was so much usage of the ball in the back line little cheap kicks and and kicks and stuff that we we didn't have an outlet other than going down the line again. Yeah, and it's been and very different. Redmond even said that after the game. Said, "Look, you know, as us as a back six, we marked around with the ball too much. We're too slow with it." Um, uh, and it was, it, it's funny. That is the area I was frustrated with, but that's the area that I think was probably more your blip. I actually feel like from the half back, the strength of the Essendon Football Club has probably been the transition from the yes. half back line. Well, it's clear we were yeah. leading that for ages. So that's that to me was the one where I went, okay. They've had an off night. I actually thought defensively they did yeah, not too bad. Um, just on defensive kind yeah. of, you know, Ridley did well and, and Zerk did Zerk well. Zerk did well, and, yeah. um, So that wasn't too bad. But, uh, look, it, it's still to me it probably comes down to the midfield. And and then, the, well, the two areas to me out of that game was probably our midfield predominantly and and the lack of pressure in the forward line. So when st- when you lose stoppages in your in your forward 50 naught to, to 9, um, you're not putting any Damn. pressure uh, and you, and you're not retaining the ball inside 50. So f- really for me the midfield to, to all going forward um, just it was all out of sync our our delivery to the forwards was, was so predictable awful and predictable yeah. it yeah. was just bomb it to right bomb it to right bomb it to right there was and a yet, few times when we yet kicked it to Lincoln. starring there yeah. you go. and you're like well aren't we why are, the guys kick 35 goals I know. Like, <laughs> like can we not utilize him a bit Jake, more on the lead can we ever get Jake Stringer one on one like can we get him one on one with well, a bloke it's, can we get Jake Stringer fit yeah, true, but I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is that every single time the ball went in, we got a, a look up at half forward or just closer to the square. The ball wouldn't go strategically to somebody. It did a couple of times to Langford, and surprise, surprise, he kicked a couple of goals. But the ball would keep going on that big, long, looping, hoik inside 50, just hoping that, that Peter Wright will do something magical. And... We haven't been like that in a good no, period of time. We've, we've we've been an opposition defenders set up dream, just a dream, and that's why weeks. Peter Wright, the the def- Josh Bruce, isn't worth Peter Wright's left shoelace, right? He's average, below average defender, and Peter Wright's having to jump up in these big packs and be crunched by two other defenders at the same time. Alex Keith's a half decent defender. Him and Bruce look like um, May and Lever. Because they're just, they've got all the time in the world because they know what the ball's going to do. They know where Wright's going to run. And every single time, it just gets pumped into the forward line. And it is, honest to goodness, a question I would like to ask the club or we might, we might ask Cal Toomey how the hell does that happen? Mm. Like, if it happens once or twice because you need a dump kick, you need to dump it out, so to speak, and just um, hoik it into side 50. I understand that, right? Because maybe he's got a one-on-one, you want it in there quick. But to continually do it, you've got to know you're doing it, and you've got to know that there has to be another option open somewhere. Why they just keep doing it for four quarters, I don't know. No, uh, exactly. So 
Now, like I, you probably see people saw me on Twitter. I didn't treat this one <laughs> that well. This game, I never abuse anyone, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not going to single out and go hard. But oh, I just was frustrated with that game, and and because I know people, I know people will say, oh well, this is where we're expected to be. You know, oh, well, I tipped us to finish eleventh or twelfth anyway, and I'm like, no, but we were fifth, and we were. Why are we also? Giving that up, like, yes. Like I, I, like why can't we be just like, all right, let's ride the wave, let's be, let's go out and hunt teams. And after the break, we've just been a slightly different side out. Besides, probably one and a half games, and it's just, it's frustrating. It's, it's. Are we getting ahead of ourselves? Like you know, at the end of well, the year when you make finals, and the end of the the start of next year, everybody's very happy with the way they finished their the last year, and so they don't perform in the in the next year. Have we? You would begun hope, to pat ourselves without on the history, back. you would be mortified if you if you thought any player was ahead of themselves. Because I agree, we have no right to be. Um, but, but look, I don't get it. Yeah, and here's the debate, and I know this is the debate I'm going to get the most response from, um, because the the other thing is, and I've said this before. If you have a look at the two lists that played against each other, because the Western Bulldogs are fairly senior orientated lists, so you could mm-hmm. raise an argument and say, "Look, they're you know they're very very experienced. Their average age is twenty five point seven, right? Their age, okay. Ours was twenty five point oh, twenty five. Oh, there you go. So it's not now. I understand. So before everyone jumps down. The critical area we were probably young in is was where we lost the game. The midfield. Yeah. Like Perkins um, could not handle Bont at all. He, he, he did the fir- previous two assignments. He could. This one, Bont, as a top three, four player in the league, just got T- a hold of him. Towed him up, yeah. Got a hold of him. That's pu- Look, that's the least part of my anger. I was like, okay, that happens. Yeah, you're, you're, you're still learning that role. He towed you up. Um, but it's still across the ground, like – I'll be honest. I didn't quite like Scott's message of the the, the young players are tied because I'm, you know, I'm looking at Guelphy, I'm looking at Snelling, and I'm looking at um, Stringer, and I'm looking at I'm looking at these guys. You know, I could name probably six or seven to be honest. And going, well, sorry, but there's a lot of players going through the motions at the moment that aren't nineteen per- or twenty. Perkins, Stringer, Phillips, and Snelling. Eight, eight, seven, and seven possessions for the entire game. Yeah, well, Phillips was was fairly quiet, even though he competed really hard in the ruck. Yeah. I do acknowledge that. Um, but influential but players, Perkins and Stringer. He only like, but I'm trying to work out Scott. I'm just trying to work out. I'd, I mean, it's one of those ones you go. I'd love to have a sit down with him because wouldn't you? He only played Brian. Like you can play Brian and say, look, you want him to get some time match yep. practice. He played the same amount of minutes as Nick Hind, who came on. And I, yeah, that's nuts. Like, so he's sitting on the bench. And like, so I I know there's people saying, well, Nick Bryan did hardly anything. Well, of course he did. He's, spent, he's played 31% of the game. Yeah, it's like, right, yeah. So are we going to give him game time and, and learn? And look, as you would think, this is probably my other frustration. I'm just going to say it because I think it just, this is how I am. I'm a passionate fan. The club keeps saying young side and it frustrates the daylights out of me because we're not playing that. We're we've and we're not playing many kids. Like if we're the we're sixteenth for most plays played this year. So we're 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 rotating the same twenty uh twenty-five year olds and look, 
I'm hoping it's a lesson in Brad Scott to going, okay, I understand my senior list. That's what my hope is. I understand who can cut it, who can not. Probably one person who got dropped to the VFL up forward last week Yep, was acknowledged that he wasn't cutting it. Um, and that, that's what my hope is. You go, all right, I'm sorting out who was my more senior. I mean, because they're not overly senior, I get that, but they're still 25, 26, a lot of these guys. But cutting it is a good word. Who, who are the guys that are going to cut it? Who, who, like, who's going to take me to a <clears throat> final four in a couple yeah. of years? And I need to work that out. That's what I'm hoping Dear God, I'm hoping because I don't want it to be a North Melbourne situation where he was so loyal to the older guys and everyone knew it and it was always, you know, he has said he's learnt a lot from that time. I think this is the one with this list because we're complete opposite to North Melbourne's list. We have so much talent on a younger scale. Um, But, you know, I watch the VFL and I see Davey playing well and, and, you know, I see Vossi Voss, have his moments yeah. and Wanganin having his moments and Sardis getting 30 and, uh, and you know, and, and you know, I, there's other guys who are actually performing really well. Baldwin's been starring for, for months and, and like, but they're finding it hard to get games and you're going, well, when you lose four out of five, I, I'm hoping at selection table, I'm not, I'm not a guy that ever has wholesale changes, but wholesale changes, but I hope that there's two or three changes because I think the group actually needs some energy yeah. of some guys who are yeah. coming in yep. who are really eager and who actually get an opportunity and will run across the ground. So that's my hope. I, I'm not a one – if you make five or six changes, you it's too hard. It's it upsets too, the It upsets the, the whole rhythm. And the but, balance, yeah. But, you know, there was obviously a post-game conversation around Stringer's health and Scott obviously seemed concerned and thought maybe we give him a week. Look, if that's the case – he looks clearly injured to me, by the way. But if that's the case, give him a week off. Yeah, because there's not much point him labouring in the forward line. Give, give, you know. But there's definitely Davies and Wallers, and you know, you know, there's definitely young forward huh. players who with X factor. Um, you know, even if Vossi, who's he's not a tall guy, people got to realise that he looks big and strong, but he's not tall. He can actually be yep. quite mobile, very Langford size, really. So. There's different options there just to spark some energy. And, you know, this is – if you're ever going to have a week where – sounds funny, do you just rest Perkins for a week? And go, bring in Sardis. Let's let's see what we've got. Um, just but again, change. He, he keeps saying things like we're only going to bring players in that are ready to stay there and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. So, and, and, and I don't know. You yeah. can, the look on your face, I can see you don't agree. I, I, I appreciate – and I appreciate – I want to see Voss. Voss has done enough, damn it. I He's just, done I, enough. Uh, yeah, I – I don't know if I should say this. I'm just not buying Brad Scott's messaging at the moment because I, I, why is Drake Shingo playing injured according to his mantra? Yeah. So why was Sam Draper playing injured up to the bye? So uh, I'm I'm doing a little bit more grain with salt than with Scotty and I love him. So it's oh, yeah, a, this, is, but this is only just recently. He's still you. a coach to me and I'm still cynical to coaches still play your best talent if they can get him 90% on the park. Yeah. And that's what's happening. And um, But I would argue... Baldwin played dream tone, right? Nine or ten marks, 15 disposals. Looked unbelievable. He got admitted the next week. So if you come in ready to play, I'm not, you know, he was ready to play and I don't think should have been taken out of that game. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, I, you just, I, I do hope the messaging gets a little bit more in sync. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, I won't say it is great, but, 50,000 people tweeted me, uh, tweeted me to talk about Dodoro. I'm not going to because I think the, other, the next the man on the guest needs to talk about that because a lot of people don't rate the list and I get that. 
and and they put it onto one man's shoulders, and that's that's their their prerogative. And I look, I have I have there's clearly holes in the list, like mm-hmm. um, so. Um, I think that needs to be addressed. I do think there's a really good young talent coming through. So, and that's what I'm saying. Do we do we have the young talent in the in the twos to address those holes? Yeah, and uh, and it's a matter of experience. Like, uh, like obviously we've got the news. Ridley's going to go out. I would I would straight up swap him for Baldwin. By the way, is that, I didn't know. Is that season? Uh, club says four to six weeks. Okay, so season. Yeah, uh, we're uh, not going to risk uh, the man. I'm right? hearing. I'm hearing six. Seriously, <laughs> that's Baldwin in. That yeah. has to be Baldwin in, right? Yeah. Oh boy, I have I have a fear of them putting weeks. So they put Whitman down half. Back. I know, man. I, 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 I look. If you're, this will be my litmus test on the messaging because if it's like we play him that position for a while, so he's ready for AFL. If he plays one game, weed, and, and okay, and so where, he took ten marks or other, whatever. Yeah, where the other guy has been almost best on ground for like two months. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. I I'd be frustrated. I but is this right? Is he's right to so choose 50, a team? 50,000 people tweeting right. So do we like you said? If we have that young talent coming through, right? We needed small forwards. We've got Indigenous kids running around left and right. We've got we've got midfielders coming through. Midfielders coming Sardis. through. We've got Hayes coming through. We've got uh, we've just signed another WA I mean, bloke. They obviously desperately need Reed. I mean, that's not Dodoro's fault. They desperately need Dead, Reed to be Reed, on the park. We've got Hayes. Cox has just restarted. The the guy the kid from WA who just injured himself. We've got Cox just restarted. We've got Sardis coming through, and see these are the things like we, the the list is no <laughs> the list is list is everybody wants all Australian footballers at every single position. Like, no, I, yeah, I I think I think the, probably what most people would argue is the cohesion of the list is that we haven't had a list of that. That can play together. That there's gaping holes. Um, how the hell does a how the hell does a list manager? Which responsibility is cohesion? I oh, know. Well, you know, you 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 understand where your holes are, and you fill them with players. So. Yep. Okay, but so we needed a small defender. We got Kelly. He can't go. Oh, you're going to fit in with Ridley? Do you like him? Okay, we needed. Um, we got Jake Stringer, and we got a few guys like that. We've drafted Sardis. We've got Cox. We we got Brian. We've got Hayes. Look, the only way Dodoro is ever going to be deemed successful to me, this is my personal view, is if this is club actually has success. It's not his job, man. It's to, to of get success. It no, of it, it, it can't be. It has to be part of the role. <clears throat> so this, we never we talk about this, but no one, everyone wants us to talk about it. So this, then my theory is, is it's part. Yeah, I get the development. And we've had a lack of it. I get it, and I get coaching. We've had poor coaching, so there there is a pretty big. There is a view in my in my head anyway that the next two or three years will tell me a lot about how the list is shaping but, but if we get it right. A list of but, of how he's selected or how they the, progressed. Uh, both, both. Uh, okay, but, but to the. They're mutually exclusive. To how he selected is, did he select the right kid at the moment in the draft at the position the club gave him? That's his number one job. You can't say in hindsight in the next two years he shouldn't have picked Francis because you can't say hindsight, Francis didn't work for a number of different reasons. He wasn't the wrong selection at the time. The Great Wall of Francis was a universal statement. In the VFL. He was an utter oh, world gold sorry, star, the, right? The TAC, yeah. yeah oh, the sorry. TAC, right? So what I'm saying is that at, at the time, Francis was a perfect selection. Yeah, everyone Two, thought it was a good selection at the time. So I get it. But you, you still judged 
whether it's fair, but you think it's fair say, or not. Okay, but if it's if unfair, you're if you're the second worst performed club in the two in twenty years, you still have to go to CEO, list manager, coaching, development. All I'm, four have to be part of that journey. So I'm not isolating Dodoro. I'm saying sure. all four have to be part of that journey as a club to say what did we get wrong and what did we get right because that's too damning a stat. If we were, if we were if we made prelims and we just get sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. you go, okay, you could tinker mm-hmm. around an argument. But it's it's just too damning as a club overall. But do you know what's damning? Playing Darcy Parish at half forward for three years. Right? Like it's 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 nuts. Um but we could we could talk about that forever. Scotty just looked at his phone and went, Whoa, Cal Toomey should be Sorry, ringing. Sorry, Cal Toomey's like, right just now. calling through. Yeah, absolutely. We could talk about People that. People are probably for really hour, wrapped man. about this uh, debate. And it's a look, it's an it's an old age argument and and you know, we'll we'll talk about it probably post show and absolutely, man. But, but Cal Toomey, um, straight after the break, we'll be having uh, Cal Toomey, AFL draft star, and all round legend and friend of the pod. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Very cool music, Scotty. Um, Just a quick one on that. We did a competition of uh, – I asked people what they what ad music they want to play. Uh, the most votes I got was Audio Slave. So there you go. Uh, we'll do. I'll do some more contests on, on what ad music, I'm sure. Um, Cal's going to have his strokes and all that sort of stuff coming in through the votes. So, but <laughs> – Indeed, oh. joining us is Cal Toomey, by the way. <laughs> yeah. AFL Journal yeah, and Draft Guru, our Cal Toomey. Yeah, I'm with you there, Scotty. I was waiting for some Julian Casablancas or um, <laughs> Albert Hammond Jr. riff to blast through. Wow. <laughs> hey, I was actually just curious today. You know, I, I was I was watching a YouTube clip of you inter- interviewing Robbie Williams. I'm curious, does that interview, is that the height of your career or right now talking to oh, us? On the lunch time, <laughs> <up, I guess. laughs> is this, is this, this match it or is this exceed it? I'm just wondering on the scale of, of where we sit with Robbie Williams. <laughs> it's funny. I, I uh, yeah, the, what is it? I think, I don't know what the views are up to on YouTube. Not very many, but I account for about 85% of them, I think, <laughs> in, re, in rewatches. Uh, so look, you're a, you're a close second. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, Rob, Robbie's, yeah. Robbie's my, uh, Lifetime hero. So interviewing him that day was a very special day. And I think I held it together, Scotty. I think I held it together quite, quite well. But I was nervous as hell. He, I'd met him earlier in the day at the MCG and, and we'd had a photo. And I'd already got, got that out of the way. And he was really friendly and gave us a hug there. So actually, Gil McLaughlin said, hey, Robbie, Cal's seen you a lot of times. You better go and say hello to him. So he came over and gave me a hug. And, <laughs> and he interviewed him later in the day. So... Yeah, it was all a pretty cool process. But yes, uh, your second. Sorry. Okay. Fair fair enough, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take. Hey, um, uh, well, by the way, on, on the Gettable Cod podcast, it's been absolutely fantastic. So you always got a little bit of a, 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 a tit snip of, of Essendon sort of leaks. So uh, I won't say leaks, but information. So look, uh, I'm just curious, how do you finding it? Last time we spoke, it was all rosy and we're high fiving each other over yeah. Zoom. Um, 
now that the kind of have had, I would say, three poor losses in the last five, the Frio, the Geelong, and the and obviously the Dogs game, how are you rounding off the year so far? Like, how do you treat this last five weeks? If what happened the first 13 rounds? Where are your thoughts at? I'm not too disturbed by it, to be honest. I, I think the last couple of games, I mean, Essendon's broken some hoodoos this year, but uh, playing Geelong and the Bulldogs <laughs> hasn't been broken. Like I think every <laughs> Essendon supporter has watched enough of those games against those two teams over the last 10 years to know that they are always challenging and they've both played out accordingly in the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, I hear you three bad losses out of the last five, four losses out of the last five with the final spot potentially um, still up for grabs, which says a little bit about the competition this season, but it's still a possibility. And mm. you'd think Essendon should win. I think I think Essendon wins three more games this year. I don't know who the, th- the third one is. It might be Sydney. It might be the Giants. You'd have to doubt that it would be um, against Collingwood in the last round. But in between, there's a couple of wins there. So, look, if you finish with, what would that be, um, you know, 12 or 13 wins? I think that's a pretty good season. And from where things were last year, yeah, the sort of competitiveness in games has fallen away and maybe that reliability that was so profound for the first 13, 14 weeks has, has dropped off. That's probably to be accustomed or to be um, to be expected, I think, a little bit as well with the side still bringing a few changes, probably not as many as some people would like and, and, and all of that, but there's still some uncertainty and still some getting to know what the players are, are, are going to be in the future. So no, I, I still think there's been some really positive steps throughout this year and hopefully Essendon finish strong because it would be a shame if they if if it didn't happen that way now yeah. for the next month. I think that's what the lookout for me would be. But yeah, the last two weeks have been disappointing. There's no doubt about that. Now, Brad Scott sort of said after the game via the Dogs that the the young midfield looked a bit tired. Um, some of the, the mids sort of didn't well, – they looked a bit tired was, is what he said. Um, now, Cal, do you think – Scotty and I were debating before the pod. Do you think we should make many changes for the rest of the season? Do you think a bit of a freshen up now, if the guys are looking a bit tired, maybe bring some of them – maybe try a Sardis in the midfield – maybe a, a Baldwin down back for something different or a Paddy Voss up forward for something different. Do you think it's it's worth doing that or should we stick out the season we have with the, the players that have been getting the bulk of the minutes? Well, there's going to be at least a couple of changes, isn't there? I mean, Ridley goes out, so that's going to yeah. open up an opportunity probably for either Wiedemann to come in as a defender, which would be interesting, or um, Baldwin, as you say. And, and Baldwin probably deserves a chance as well. Yeah. Um, given I think his form at AFL level has been pretty solid when he's come in um, and, and squeezed out of there. Or do they flick things around and, and play Nick Cox as a defender as mm. that, that, that rangy um, intercepting player? Because I don't think you could probably have Cox, Ridley and a couple of the other defenders playing as they do yeah. um, in the same back line. So that might op- open an opportunity there to work out a little bit more about Nick Cox and where he fits in. I thought he, um, he started okay on Friday night, but looked like a player who hadn't played in more than a year, I think, at AFL level by the end of it. So that's that's okay. But, I, I, yeah, I think we'll see a little bit more of um, a couple of the guys. I wouldn't be surprised to see D'Ambrosio a couple more times throughout the, the, the back end of the season. He's been pretty solid. Um, yeah, it was BOG the heard, yeah, in the VFL, yeah. And, and I'm sure you'll ask more about Elijah, but I, I think we'll see Elijah you know, reasonably soon as well. And I, I think we should see him reasonably soon as well. But, um, 
in terms of the other guys, Wiedemann clearly they've given a run. I think it's a good circuit breaker to give him a try as a defender. I'm interested to see what they do with Nick Bryan. Um, that's an interesting sort of conundrum, I think, now for what they do from a coaching point of view. It doesn't sound like Sam Draper plays this week. Whether he plays next week, we wait and see. But um, that's they've. Done. I mean, you, you can't forget that that the absence of Draper has coincided with the yeah. the poorer runner form. So yeah. I think that's sort of easy to sort of um, put to one side. But his his ruck work can maybe not always be as scientific as other ruckmen, but the the spirit is all there, and I think that makes an impact it's to the energy ground too. level. Yeah, it is an yeah. it, it's very real. It's it's I yeah, I he's see the training. He's a leader, and he's an energy ball, and 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 it it does carry off on the group. Um, and and the other bit is he, he he clears the way for what we know is a smaller midfield generally um, at mm. ground level. He, he's a big frame. He's not afraid of the clearance um, or two and, and following up. So yeah, I think it's. He's been a he's been a massive loss to be honest, and, and when we do the old, he's not their best player, but he's their most important. Maybe we have to reassign where Draper fits into the most important group because yeah, he's been really missed over the last few weeks. It'll be interesting how Scott handles Archie, who I think has been uh, more than serviceable in his roles in the midfield, and he's kind of done the the half run with roles. Um, this is probably the first time where a proper top five player in the AFL. Yeah, touched t- touched him up. It'd be interesting how he handles that situation because you got Parker coming up. Uh, a similar, you know, does he does he rotate Perkins just to give him a bit of confidence back to half forward again? Uh, you know, they're the kind of decisions. It'd be really interesting how he handles some of the young younger players. Yeah, I mean, you you know, and your listeners would probably know that I'm a big Archie man and and have followed Archie really closely throughout his whole career, but prior to joining the Bombers as well and. Um, I, th- I see a lot of the uh, Essendon supporters questioning Archie's spot in the team and his development this year. Granted, it wasn't his best game on the weekend, and um, there's been a couple of quiet ones here and there. But I, I think you know, to look a little bit deeper into what he's been asked to do this year and what he has produced as well. You know, up until round 12, he kicked 15 goals, so he's obviously changed his role there. Had he continued in that sort of more half forward permanent position he probably would have been up to 25 goals by this point yeah. of the season the way he was tracking so um clearly there's been a shift in role and that sort of coincided with the carton game which is one of his best wasn't it yeah. um you know, putting in yeah, yeah. putting in a good shift on crips and that's probably led to this next little phase of his development throughout this year we probably know and Essendon probably knows as well that he can do that that sort of half forward goal kicker spin through the middle at times and and he was also playing a bit of a different role throughout going in the middle when Drake Stringer wasn't in there and, and working with those guys as, as a bigger switch. So, yeah, speaking to Archie a few weeks ago as well for a story on the website, I think, yeah, he's, he's been asked to play some really specific roles that, you know, we don't know what everyone's specific role is. No one will ever know what everyone's specific role is apart from the, the 40 in the group. So yep. I think that can be something. I think he's been harshly judged by some supporters, I think, this year and – the wider look is that Archie's played 60 games in three years, uh, having not played in 2020 in his draft year. And you look at that draft pool, and there's been a lot of players who've taken a lot longer than he has to um, get going and, and make an impact. So he's in the second most games of anyone in that draft pool behind Errol Gould. And so, yeah, for me, I, I think Archie's he's been pretty solid. And, yeah, he might he might have looked a little bit tired and like a couple of the boys did on Friday night, but I'd persist with him in playing out the year. 
Agree. Now, um, prior to the break, we're having a, a lovely debate, uh, and I'm not going to get you too much involved in, that, in an actual Dodoro debate, but I'm just wondering what your thoughts just genuinely around where the list is at in your frame of mind, if you think it's at a healthy spot. Um, obviously, the age of the list is, is young, and we mentioned before you know before you came on that we've only we're actually 16th for how many players we've tried uh, in the seniors this year. So there's a lot of kids that still are un, kind of untapped and, and we don't really know what we've got yet. How are you finding the list makeup in general and where you seeing kind of holes where you think either that can be filled by a young kid in the future or you may, may need to do draft or trade? Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't think that was – everyone has to, you know – Wind it back five weeks ago, my answer to this wouldn't, wouldn't have changed too much. So I, I still think that Essendon lacks um, a big and strong key forward and uh, a key defender who can play on the, the bigger key forwards. Probably a um, – probably, I mean, everyone likes a, a, the match winner, don't they? And I still think that there's games that Essendon plays in against the best teams where the opposition match winner steps up and Essendon probably doesn't – um, have the answer to, to 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 match it in that regard, if that makes sense. We've seen that a couple of times over the past couple of weeks, but you can't just you can't just find those. Generally, those guys got <laughs> yeah. come through early draft picks and and, and are, it, are it a long term. Long term. It used players. to be a uh, I'll say a without trying to be rude. It used to be a healthy Jake Stringer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's been flashes of that this year, hasn't there? At, at different times. So, yeah, that's that's correct and. So I, I think there's some some work to do in there, but and also, um, I mean, we've seen the small forwards at different stages this year. The small forwards is an interesting space because last year there was none. Start of the year there was heaps, and now at the moment they're they're sort of out of touch a little bit. The last few weeks, aren't they? So um, were you I surprised with Menzi? Just sorry to interrupt. Were you yeah, surprised? Was, with, yeah, a little bit surprised with Menzi. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's been pretty solid this year. Um, so that one surprised me. But the again. No one knows the role that he plays is and how that's a little bit different to what yeah. they've asked of Will Snelling. So, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's a challenge it's from afar. In sort of yeah, yeah. assessing that a little bit too. But yeah, I think key back and key forward is would would mend a lot of is, issues. And that's not taking anything away from what what the key defenders have been asked to do throughout the last couple of years and what Peter Wright's done for the last couple of years as well. But ideally, you'd want um, a pack breaker alongside. Peter Wright at different points and someone who can be that foil. Have, is that already on the list? Wiedemann started the year quite well, obviously ran out of fair bit of confidence. And, and Harry Jones, I mean, we all hope that he can get a really good run in it to show what we probably saw a couple of years ago in 2021 before the foot injury. And um, But, you know, he's had, he's had a really rough run the last couple of years as well. So I think those are the two main bits I'd be looking at for sure. So the key forward, the key back. We know that the a lot of talks about Mackay and a lot of some talk about Himmelberg and those key backs being somewhat available. <coughs> Sorry, uh, guys, somewhat available. Now the key forward is always the hardest one to get. Now, without naming names, unless you'd like to, um, are there any eminently gettable key forwards that Essendon might look for this year? Oh, there's not many. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone's going to be throwing up Ben King, aren't they, as as an option. Even his last month hasn't been too crash hot either. But that's the swings and roundabouts of being a, a big key position player in the competition. Look, the Ben Mackay interest we spoke about on Gettable last week is is there, but um, obviously that's as the key back and to help 
sort of shore up that defensive group and and I think it would it would make the the jobs of a lot of his teammates easier as well mm. if Ben McKay came in and played at his best. I don't think we're seeing his best at the moment, uh, and that would be difficult as well in a team where he's yeah. played in seven or eight wins across his whole career since Tough joining to them. North, yeah, and it's in the 2015 draft. So um, yeah, it's been a sort of long haul for him. But the key forwards are hard to find. I mean, you look at all the best ones, and generally they're top ten picks or or father's sons, essentially, uh, and all traded in, or, or the big free agents. You know, Tom Lynch made the move, but the rest of them are generally top 10 picks that have stayed where they are or have been luck of the draw, Tom Hawkins to the <laughs> Cats type of ones. I mean, Joe Danaher was a father's son. Um, Jeremy Cameron was a essentially a top five pick coming through the pre-selection of his draft. Um, Charlie Kernow was a top 10 or so pick. Harry Mackay, top 10 or so pick. So, yeah, where they're was, hard to where get. was Oscar Allen? Oscar Allen was a bit later. Yeah, he was later in the first round. They actually drafted Jared Brander before him, the Eagles. So he was their second pick in that year's draft. But he's a super player, Oscar Allen, when he's up and going. Mm. Yeah, he's one that, you know, obviously one of the uh, another article suggested as a uh, as a uh, throw the money at kind of. Is he a Victorian? Would he want to come? Is he a Victorian to come home? He's not a Victorian. No, he's he's WA boy. Okay, interesting. Well. I've got some questions for you, mate. So uh, I, I, I look. I've been. I asked a few on Bomber Blitz, uh, and um, just give me some questions. So look, uh, West Aussie Bomber, I'm doing you a big favour. You can thank me later. What do you think the right midfield mix possibly could be at Essendon? Uh, and that, I think that's a very, very good question because I think you can have some really good players that you draft, but how you actually coordinate. Though, who's who? Who is the backup? Who's your front three? Um, sort of makes up that whole mix, and I think sometimes we've got it wrong. Um, so, your thoughts on what the right mix might be? Well, I think you say you get it wrong. I think um, the years have been about finding out what is the right. It's it's trial and error a little bit, mm. and, and that's where Brad Scott's been really consistent. I think in from the day he actually landed the first press conference to the first interview to the first game to game 20, things has been really consistent that, that without saying exploration, it's been a year of sort of discovery for what Essendon's got and what it needs and how the, how what it already has works together. So it's a fair question though. I don't think it's going to surprise you, Grant, that I'd say that um, Parrish and Merritt are in there, you know, more often than not. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Parrot fan. Mm-hmm. Together they, they, they are better for each other and they make each other better. And this, the flick of whoever's alongside that is is the interesting part. Is it is it going to end up being a Perkins? Is it going to be – I mean, Stringer, when he's fit and able to go through the midfield, I think is the – is the guy, but clearly I think he's. we're seeing him with limitations at the moment. Yep. Um, Caldwell, I've liked his development. I don't think you have Hobbs, Parrish, Merritt in there together. That's probably – Oh, okay. Uh, I think you probably um, – you have at 183 centimetres on average there, you're probably going to face a challenge against some of the big guys who roll through different midfield groups. But, yeah, I'd be working through those guys, I think, and – and trying to find that mix. Setterfield got a spot when he comes back. Maybe. Well, well, he. It's funny, isn't it? Like, you know, a couple of months ago, you probably think, oh, well, it's a shame for Will. He was really playing some good footy, yeah. but I'll be able to cover him. And I think they've missed it, Will, to be honest. And mm. um, really unlucky. Like, got stood on and and 
he had that that fracture there in his foot. So yeah, I think they've missed him, and and he could be that that third guy alongside Merritt and Parrish. I think when those three were working together, it was working really well because they were doing. He was doing a little bit of the grunt work and letting those guys um, off the off the side. And I, I reckon the first half of the season, Dust was playing as good a footy as his twenty twenty one season. Uh, maybe not as, getting as many accolades or, or medals, but I feel like his form was at that point before uh, that calf injury. Okay. Uh, look uh, on our Discord Patreon channel, Mad Mooks. Uh, g'day, Mad. Um, Nick Bryan. He's got. Where do you think his contract talks possibly would be at? Um, he's obviously. Do you think he will be at Essendon in the following year? And probably to add on to that, the Zerk Thatcher. Even though Kane Corns has said, oh, he's definitely going to Port Adelaide. Um, where do you think? How do you think that will play out with obviously Brian and Zerk? Yeah, um, Brian's in the ruck merry-go-round that I don't think it will stop spinning until you know postseason. So that that'll be he's he's in the group of ruckmen that are up for grabs, I think, and he'll be looking at the mix. And the interesting part for Brian is if you know alongside Sam Draper, he's he's battling as the ruckman who's not that much older than him. As I mean, he's got probably got a few years on him, but in terms of experience, they're probably not that far dissimilar. So. Does he want to do that and be an understudy for a fair while longer, or does he feel ready to be the main guy? Is another club going to target him to be the main guy, or is he going to change clubs um, and in the end be an understudy or, or second banana again elsewhere? I think we've seen bits and pieces of his form. Uh, there's still parts of his game to develop, but yeah, I, mean, uh, I wouldn't rule out him staying, but there's still interest in him or already out there, of course. Um, Zerk Thatcher is an interesting one. Like, he I think he's had a pretty solid year. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, pretty solid yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And, and has had interest in the past to go back to SA. There's clearly interest there again. And in Victoria as well, there's been interest. So, yeah, I, I think that one will be an end of the year discussion. And, yeah, there, there, there'd be – look, Essendon want to keep him. I'm sure about that because you don't go losing key defenders because you end up just going to try and find a key defender as well. Mm. And that's the issue with losing Nick Bryan as well. Unless the pick is – is a really good one, and it might be because there, there might be a few clubs who are interested enough to see up the price of him. You don't lose those guys because then you end up just in the in the swing of trying to find another one to replace them anyway. It's sort of the rotating mm. chair. So, uh, is for it both a, of them, is it a simplistic view as an outside fan just to think Essendon's talking to Ben Mackay and Zerk Thatcher's waiting on his contract for the end of the year? Is it is it simplistic to think that the two are related to see uh, what happens? No. No, I don't think it's simplistic to think that, but I'm not sure that's the hold off either. Okay, okay. I think I think he's I think he's just for a long period wanted to see where he fits in, and but that's not to do with sort of Ben Mackay as such, just to settle in basically if there's a pool to go home and, or uh, to stay in Victoria. So I don't think it's as much Ben Mackay related because I feel like you know earlier in the year when he was playing you know a lot of good footy as well, Zerk um, Ben Mackay probably wasn't on the radar as much for the Bombers, and he, he still had sort of even though he had the option, hadn't um, jumped into the contract talks at that point. I'm, I'm a massive BZT fan. Um, he's he's a slightly weird-looking unit, and I love him. Um, <laughs> but he's and, – and Paul Cousins, when we talk to Paul Cousins, says that he – sometimes when he watches him attack packs, he feels like he's going to injure himself. He throws himself at it that hard. I think we're just starting to see the best of BZT. I'm not sure why you would give up a key position player that is now just shut – just starting to show you what he can do. 
And if our midfield could stop the ball coming into the back line <laughs> 50 and 70 times a game without any sort of significant pressure on it, we might even find out that he's an outstanding defender. So I, I'd, I'd be very surprised if we let a key position player like that we, we, we've put effort into and who is now just starting to bear fruit um, if we let him go. Now, like you said, if, if the pull to home gets him and Adelaide want to stump up some cash because they didn't get Redmond, then... All, all the best, Tiger, and off you go. But geez, I'd really hope we kept we keep a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to find, isn't it? It's 23, 24 yeah. year old key defenders been on the list and and sort of done their apprenticeship. They're hard to get. So, um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of a lot of list managers say so much of their time is spent on key backs and and rucks. Like yeah. if you if you sliced up the pie, there's probably a disproportionate amount of time spent on chasing those two positions. So, yeah, when, when you've got a player who can certainly do some things, and I, I'm not, I don't think he's he's going to be an All-Australian, but I do think he's going to be um, able to really hold down a post. And, yeah, I agree with you. He's had a pretty good year. Yep. Do you think the do you think Hepps and Waller have a, a good shot of playing on next year or is it a real kind of conversation at the end of the year you think just about uh, what? I don't think they're in the same basket. Uh, I think Heppel's had a really good year. Um, and yeah. Yeah. probably um, credit really to the coach, I think, on that one as well. Like probably stared down a few people um, in terms of fans and, and outside noise at the start of the year, didn't he, and saying, no, no, no. We were amongst them. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to play. This is what we want him to do. And he's even spoken about, he spoke about at the time, like he wanted to go home, him to go on as, as captain as well. And, and it was Dice who, who stepped away from that role. So, um yeah, I think he's a different case to to Tipper, to be honest. And, and look, I, I, it's been a great story to see him get back and and be at the club and be around the club and and have that sort of influence. But when was the last time he played? It's been a while now. And yeah, yeah I, I think he's looked a, a, a little bit of a step off it. So um, I think they're different cases. I think Heppel, we wrote on afl.com.au last week that Hep at this point is, is keen to keen to go on. Obviously, that's a discussion that. Um, would be held later in the year, though, like it was last year for him. You know, he had the off season. He went to Ibiza, didn't he? Like with the rest of the guys with yep, the cameras yep, at the airport. The old boy, um, yeah. Cameras at the airport wondering if he was going to go to the Gold Coast at that point and obviously <laughs> came back and signed on. So, uh, Quick one. Um, oh, I just had a mind blank then. Um, Don't you hate that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to ask. Oh, <laughs> Sardis, Sardis, Sardis. Sardis. Uh, you can talk about Sardis if Baldwin you like. Baldwin Dodoro. Uh, no? Well, actually, I was going to mention. Have you seen highlights of Mankara? Come on, like I, I is, is he getting there? Do you watch? Do you, do, you, do you do you get time to watch much VFL? Because I don't know if you've seen, but he's doubling his production of the first sort of nine games now. He's kicked eight yeah. eight goals in the last six games. And I know he's only averaging eight or nine possessions the last six games too. So it's but they're good. <laughs> but I think the club must be because you and I would probably know there was probably a lot of talk about him hardly even playing this year, let alone up to fourteen or fifteen games so far. I would reckon the club. I just see your thoughts. Just generally, I reckon the club would be absolutely wrapped about what's happened with Anthony this year. Well, he's definitely made progress, hasn't he? And it was coming from such a long way back. Um, so I think we, we've seen that progress. And as you say, yeah, I do get enough time to watch um, a fair bit of the VFL. 
And yeah, he's he's certainly improved over the last couple of months, hasn't he? So he's given himself a chance to remain on the list and 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 sort of keep improving. There's still areas of his game to go. And there's look, he's he's part of that group at the moment. There's I think it's eight rookies who are out of contract at the moment. And yeah, they're sort of being held up by you know the club speaking about um, sort of leaving the, the parish and Redmond stuff as the, the priorities and then working out where things sit after that. It's probably more of a list spots question than anything, I think. I think in previous years, and this might say something a little bit about where the group is at the moment. We spoke earlier about where the, where the list is at and what's missing. Previous years, I reckon in February or March, us three could have sat down off air and gone through the eight to ten players who we thought were probably going to be delisted or retire at the end of the year. And I reckon we probably would have got 80% of it right. Yep. yep. Eight months out. At the moment, I'm not going to go through who I think is going to be in that group, but I, I think it's it's a it's it's a lot different conversation this time around this year. I, I can't see um, anywhere near that amount of players who you think probably, um, you know, there's a chance that they're not there next year. And, yeah, there's some out-of-contract rookies and, you know, Jane Hunter obviously is one of them. He's unlucky. Patrick Voss hasn't got a deal yet. Um, McBride, Baldwin, um, who else is there? So Mankara is a part of that. Alistair too. Lord, and, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Menzies, another rookie who's without a deal, Ambrosio as well. So, yeah, I think it's a different sort of situation, but certainly there's been uh, enough um, improvement from Mankara to, to, to see that the program has, has made him a better player already. Ungettable. Um, in the last month, I've always got the feeling that you're fairly confident with Redmond probably going on. I'm pretty sure it's Redmond, not Parrish. <laughs> Are you still fairly confident of that situation? Um, or how are you reading the Parrish-Redmond thing and without giving it much away? No, no, it's, it's the question everyone wants to know. It's, it's And it's absolutely a fair question. It's round 20 and we spoke in round one of Gettable and called him the sit it out six. And that was Parrish, Redmond, Duday, uh, Mackay, these other three ads, um, Himmelberg and Gresham. And the sit it out six were expected to wait until the second half of the season before they made a decision. And all six of them still remain out of contract at where we hit round 20. So it's, it's kind of funny how it's worked out. But look, those two have been, and this is the, the point of confidence that I speak from and with that, it's very rare that a player enters contract negotiations and then they fall over and then they leave. Now, contract negotiations can take time and um, by taking time, that can leave the door ajar for something to go awry or another club to come in and swoop in and do something or offer something that's a, a head-turner. But if you're in negotiations, there's there's a at least a part of you that is thinking, no, 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 this is what we want to do because other players just won't enter the conversation. There's no point if you know you're leaving to enter the negotiations and, and yeah. get down the, down the track with the, with the contract. So both of those guys have been offered deals as we've reported in recent weeks. Um, but, you know, you'd want to see progress on that as well. And, and the offers don't just sit there idle um, from, from all parties. So look, I've been, I've, I think Parrish has spoken publicly around, you know, this being the club yeah. he's wanting to stay. and But that's that's been a process for him as well. And, you know, at the start of the year, he spoke pretty openly around the challenges of last year and 
how, how he wanted to see things improve and his relationship with Brad as well has been sort of really strong throughout this season. So um, there's that, but there's also, you know, discussion around, and this is from the outside looking in, you got to get the value right, don't you? And, and, and be willing to sign and, and stay on. So look, your, your read of my read is, is probably about <laughs> right, Scott, but uh, until it's actually done, until it's not it's done. done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's where other clubs are, um, are watching and and keeping an eye on things and look clearly um, Redmond has the interest from you know South Australia. I understand he's not from Adelaide per se. He mm-hmm. went to boarding school there, but there's still you know interest there. And also, of course, Das um, you know has the Geelong link, which everyone's aware of as well. And I'm sure other clubs would be looking at him too. But because the free agent, you can you can make things happen a little bit more quickly and swiftly if things fall over as a free agent because you don't have to have your your picks in a row to, to, to make a deal or strike a trade. So, yeah, that it, it's still playing out though. And, it, and at round 20, you, you'd want to see some some progress and, and, and see some action soon. Hey, uh, final, final question before we wrap it up. I had about six people ask the question of, has Cal ever considered recruitment and list management? Um, <laughs> uh, and I'll let you answer that. Uh, have I considered it? Uh, there's been a couple of sort of... Um, how would you say, not approaches as such, but discussions here and there about whether you do it at some point. There's obviously been some some guys in the media that um, have, have gone into different, um, there's people in the media who've gone into different recruiting roles as well over the past few years and, and do great jobs. So who knows what the future holds, Scott? Who knows? But Straight be, bat if I've ever seen one. <laughs> there's, there's, there's the thrill in my job of finding a story and, and writing a story and talking about, um, footy and I'm sure there's a thrill in finding a player as well as you know having studied and got to know recruiters over the years it's they work as hard as anyone and it's competitive industry and there's a thrill of the chase of trying to find the next uh, Zach Merritt or whoever it is so yeah, <laughs> well, Nick that, Martin that's really in too. some ways and then there's the, the yeah. there'd be the thrill of this well your second best thrill of coming on the podcast other than interviewing Robbie Williams <laughs> well, yeah, if, maybe if I could do both, hey? If yeah, I could, nice, absolutely. Interview, interview Robbie and, and run recruiting, who knows? All right, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time, as always, um, for coming on the pod. We really appreciate it. Um, whenever we uh, whenever we put out the, the word that you're coming on, like you said, Scotty gets a million questions on Twitter and we get a whole heap of great feedback um, on the Facebook page and Twitter and the like. So thank you again for all your time and your expertise. I know we, we love it and we know the guests love it as well. No drums at all. Anytime. Go Bombers. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, another great interview with Cal. We've had him, uh, had him on the show umpteen dozen times, and each time it's just great to talk to such no, an, a knowledgeable person. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably probably the post-non-recording debate was, yeah, no. was the most interesting. But, uh, that was great. But, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, can't, we can't put that on. Uh, we can't put that on the pod, though. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, obviously Cal's um, 
yeah, just a, a huge friend of the show. Uh, he's Massive been, wealth He's of been knowledge. so amazingly supportive of this podcast. And, and like, I, honestly, for the reputation that he has, uh, how I can't busy the man enough. is, yeah, just yeah. generally busy. Uh, knows what he's talking about, knows, knows the whole gig. So fantastic to have him on, especially at this time, just to have a calm head talk to me and <laughs> calm me down as well. That's it. Um, AFL.com and um, what is it, the Gettable um, podcast? Gettable podcast, yeah, really good. Check podcast. him out on those. We've, we've been listening and it's a, it's a great especially the pod, um, his work on AFL.com and and, uh, and his work on the draft is just without parallel in my opinion. But um, the Gettable podcast, mate, check that out. It's been a great, it's been a great show so far. Yeah. So look, um, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, obviously the VFL um, team played, they w- unfortunately went down by six points. It was like nip and tuck the whole game. So it was, uh, look, it was probably, I shouldn't say this, but it was Ben Jolly's, he broke the record um, for most games played. Congratulations on Ben. So yeah, congratulations. It was kind of, I guess, if you're a football fan, it was kind of nice that he had that moment and a win against the the side that he probably played the, almost the, the most games in the VFL was Essendon. So that had a nice moment to it. But yeah, you always want your VFL team to win. But they were competitive. Um, uh, D'Ambrosio um, obviously was seemed clearly our, our BOG. 28 touches. Uh, Wiedemann had some uh, something like 13 marks and 23 disposals. So that's, you know, change and roll at, in halfback, fullback kind of position. So that's an interesting one. They moved Baldwin forward um, for the fir- kind of first time for a long time. So uh, I think he kicked a goal. Um, Wossi kicked a couple of goals. Uh, and Mankari kicked another couple of goals again. So, again, some decent signs you're seeing from, from – the younger group. So I think they're, they're, yeah, it was a pretty competitive game. I wouldn't want to have played Friday night in Williamstown. Personally, myself. Oh, that would have been cold. I was freezing it. Oh, I was man. just freezing inside Marvel, yeah, let yeah, alone yeah. in Williamstown. So Absolutely. I, I, uh, I give him credit for getting out there with shorts on. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it was banned. You know, obviously the, the PFW girls went down in the prelim, so that was uh, unfortunate to see. But, you know, I think most. Really good season. Uh, yeah, I. I think I've said this a number of times, the, the amount of players that probably lost um, to get back to a prelim, I think was an exceptional effort. So congrats to all the program, the girls and Travis Clock, uh, Travis Cloak. And uh, yeah, so it's obviously that Collingwood game is probably going to be heartbreaking for them the, the week before because they just lost that and they had really good, and they've, I thought they had some really good moments to maybe steal a win there and get into a grand final. But Overall, um, look, it's done really well and the, and the women's program's doing really, really well. So, um, yeah, that's it from us. I uh, hope you enjoy Cal's, um, uh, I guess, feedback and, and hopefully I've got a few questions in for you. Uh, another one of those votes was the ad, bruise, ad music, which was uh, Spider Bait, so I made sure I played that in the second Absolutely. ad break. So, Who we got on the weekend? Okay, so Saturday night, uh, Sydney Swans at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um Buddy's back, and you know, Swans of oh, good Buddy's back. Swans of, you know, I roll my eyes to this because it seems to happen every time we play Geelong and all that. Swans are back in form, so they've won the last two. And oh, good! They, yeah. they easily um, beat just what we need at the moment. Um, so look, it's it's obviously, I don't I don't know after the Bulldogs game, I've actually thought about finals. I must admit, um, but if you do you want to think about it? This is the game you just have to win. It's just yeah. there's just no way around it. You lose this game, and, and realistically, you have you, 
you, I don't think you're going to make finals. So, um, yes, mathematically, but I don't think you're going to um, if you're losing five of the last six. So, look, I, I just want a response. It's an eight-day break. There's absolutely zero excuse yeah. And an eight-day break. Well, other than Ridley not playing. You know, oh, yeah. Laver- is Laverde, Laverde okay? Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, okay. So, obviously, Ridley out, and we wish him all the best. Um, you know, probably was our best player against the Dogs. Too. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be uh, a big loss, but Baldwin. I think there's enough. Give us, give us some Baldwin. Ta- yeah, I think there's enough talent in that team that if, if it was for the first 13, 13 rounds, I'd actually go in quite confident. But it's a bit shaky at the moment, And but I'd really love the boys to have a dip, uh, respond hard, um, and because, you know, they obviously have West Coast North. They can, you know, if they can get two or three in a row, um, finish off the – even if they finish off the year from 12 wins, from seven wins the previous year, I think you've, at least you can – Lay your hat on see something. See the and progression. See some progression and, and go, well, okay, can we build it to 14 wins? Yeah. And, um, so that's what you want to see. So um, no doubt next year will be a really pivotal moment for the whole club because you it will be very rare that this club has the second year going on up to the next level. Um, so let's hope. And um, But we've got Sydney this week. Go Bombers, try and, try and get us a win. Uh, Absolutely, it's just if you can get down to the game too, um, all the better for the support down there at Marvel against um, the Swannies. Yeah, um, and it was, you know, it was great to see a pretty much packed crowd against the Doggies. And the Essendon crowd, you could tell, really wanted to celebrate and get into the game. Just uh, the boys really it. struggled after quarter time. So uh, it is what it is. But that's us signing off. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much for uh, being regular listeners. and Absolutely. Thank you to our Patreons for your huge support on the show and uh, to all the guys in the Discord and the girls in the Discord. Thanks. We've got like something like 350, 400 kind of uh, people on the Discord now. So it's awesome. a, a huge community just talking to each other about all, all different aspects of Essendon and other sports. So it's a, it's a fun community to be part of. And if you ever, ever want to be a Patreon, it's just $5 a month. You get extra shows. We had a fantastic show with Paul Cousins the other day. You get the uh, team selection show and a preview of the upcoming game. Then you have an instant reaction show of the game. So there's plenty of, of material for you every week um, to enjoy. So thank you so much, everyone. Uh, go Bombers for Saturday night. And this is us signing off. See you guys.